0: Hey, just before we start, this album contains mention of Suicide. If you've looked at the track list or seen the singles, it's the second single on this album, so we're going to bring that up. So I just wanted to give you a quick warning uh, before we go into this review about that. Also, if I sound really stuffy and tired on this episode, it's because there's a lot of stress I've got going on with finals week, but also just seasonal allergies are kicking up pretty hard over here. So, if my vocal quality is just not as good, and my energy level is just not as good, that is why. So, hope you still enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sea Music Podcast. My name is Nick, and today we are covering the new album from Metallica, 72 Seasons. Metallica is the biggest band to ever come out of metal, point blank, period considering when any discorded guitars are on, some older, out-of-putt touch person is just going to assume it's Metallica, says a lot about their cultural impact. On top of that, they've clearly proven over the past year that they have the lasting power. Last summer's explosion popularity from Metallica from the use of Master of Puppets in Stranger Things Season 4 proved that the band still has an appeal to younger audiences, even at their thrashiest. It's no surprise to me that Metallica is back with a giant tour and new record to capitalize on this new popularity. I mean, hell, it's been since 2015's Hardwired to Self-Destruction since the band has put out new music, so we've certainly been waiting our fair share of time. The question is, can the reigning kings of metal still put out music that is worthy of their throne, or is 72 seasons more proof that we should just keep listening to nothing but those first records? And ignore what Metallica does these days. A surf rock-esque note underpins the beginning section of the title track. An intro track to this album, 72 Seasons. Eventually, track ba- breaks into a mid-tempo riff. And this is pretty much going to be the structure for every single song. Or 90% of them on this album. Build the beginning of the main riff. Let it come in. And then start the verse first. Metallica being known historically as a thrash band, is going to come and bite them on the ass a bit in this record. 72 Seasons is a key example of this. This song is supposed to be, from what I can tell, a driving opener, but it lacks the speed and ferocity of, you know, quote-unquote true thrash metal song. I'm not sure if that's what they're going for here, but considering how Master of Puppets, Inclusion, in Stranger Things has been, you know, looming over them, for once general audiences would actually be Be familiar and accustomed to that part of Metallica that hardcore fans constantly want to go back to. So if they actually were to just pull out just straight thrash, this is probably the best time to do it. Although they're not really going for that here. There are, of course, some very notable Metallica staples right off the bat on this song. Kirk's first solo leans just as heavily on the wah pedal as basically you'd expect. James' rhythm part is also fairly solid. Vocally, I would say Hetfield sounds really good here. Um, He's maybe not as deep and as guttural as he could get on some of those older records, but it's still really good. The surf rock style 16th notes I mentioned at the beginning will occasionally come back in, and it's definitely one of my favorite parts of this track. 72 seasons, the title of the song, and of the album is supposed to represent literal seasons in a year, 17 seasons, four seasons in a year, divided 18 years, the amount of times it takes for a child to become a legal adult. Um, Pretty kind of simple explanation, and that's kind of gonna come up later through the album and on this song especially, but they're not gonna lead into this concept, like this is not a full-blown concept record, and they're not gonna lean into this super heavily. The thing that shaped these 72 seasons in this track is anger. Reading these lyrics and coming to this conclusion, to be honest, was a little a little scary scary for me. Because, you know, while Hetfield in particular has expressed struggle with like real anger issues in the past, that intrigue and that personal edge, which I would typically like, is kind of what sours this. Mainly because Metallica writing about anger is like The oldest trick in their book, you know, I mean, Sane Anger, insert snare joke here is all about this and their documentary that came out before that album, Some Kind of Monster is all about this. They've written song after song after song after song all throughout their career about just being angry. So seeing this title track go back to that well kind of alarmed me at the beginning of the album because I didn't want them to be retreading the same lyrical ground that I felt like they have treaded in the past. Or if they did, I wanted to do it in a kind of interesting way. Metallica's most intriguing lyrics, in my opinion, in some of their older work and even some of their newer work come from, you know, brought your societal issues or just like pure horror. The personal edge on this band post-Black album, I think is nice. But once again, I just don't wanna be treading on ground. The pace of this track is pretty steady and it's not really changing much for all seven and a half minutes, which makes me feel like Metallica might be getting a little too comfortable on 72 seasons. It's a pretty long song and it is the first of many because I'm telling you we are not really gonna shorten it up too much in the general range from here. The track on its own, however, I think is pretty good. This is not a painful seven and a half minutes, um, especially not as bad as it could be. Like I said before, disregarding the fact that I'm slightly concerned about where some of this may lead, I think the lyrics are really solid. Hammond and James in particular are giving really strong performance here, um, and there's a lot to like about 72 seasons. I think the main guitar riff is really good. There's some really good aspects about this song, and... It's good on its own once again, but I think some of the omens that it sets and some of the trends that are going to continue on through this record are what kind of concerns me about this song. Pretty much everything I said about the build into the riff on 72 Seasons can be copy pasted into Shadow's Follow. The main riff isn't too exceptional. My personal favorite parts of the song are the double track riff right before the solo and the vocal melody leading into the chorus. I mean the most notable thing about the song in my opinion is that after the solo there's another introduced riff which is basically just essentially the na 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 Batman theme which I don't know if they were intending to do that you know considering you know Shadows Fall I could see why they'd also did that intentionally but it could be a coincidence who knows but that's definitely an interesting point The end of the last verse with the just, I say no and the dropout of instrumentals is another prime case of just an old musical trek that just never gets old to me. The title pretty much tells you about everything you need to know about these lyrics. Shadows Follow is about your inner demons following you no matter how you try to escape. I think these lyrics are fairly solid and considering this is enough of a diversion from 72 seasons, it makes me like that song a little more in context. The only issue is that musically, 72 seasons makes me like this track less in comparison on a musical sense because I just think the instrumental is far less interesting. Once again, very similar structure, very lengthy song, but also just not a whole lot to make it stick out. I emphasize the Batman riff because that's really the most memorable thing here. If that's your most memorable thing going for you, it's just... It's not really a good omen for the rest of the song. Still, I think Shadows Follow is fine. Not exactly a standout moment for me. But once again, copy and paste my thoughts about the riff coming in into the next song, Screaming Suicide. Obviously, it's a time-honored tradition for Metallica to do this, but three songs in a row is kind of wild. And yeah, it's not something I really want to see them repeat too much through the album, which unfortunately they will. I just wish they would change up the structure a little bit. Screaming Suicide is the third track on the album, but notably it was the second single released for 72 seasons. And this song has definitely grown on me the most since it's released. I didn't really like Screaming Suicide when I first heard it. If you track my Twitter, I think I had some kind of comment about like, it's a fine song there. But there's some moments here that I think stand out really well and also are just some of the better moments on the album specifically the listen well, you better listen well pre-chorus. That's my James Hadfield impression. Easily the catchiest moment on the record so far. And I also just think, you know, compared to a lot of other songs on this album, it's more memorable than I initially gave it credit for. Even though I only listened to this maybe once or twice before the album came out, I found myself remembering a lot of it, a lot more of it than I thought I would have. I also like that the speed is cranked up a little bit for this track. I just think that the riffs and solos are better written on this song than what we've seen on most of the records so far. I think tempo-wise this can be mainly attributed to Lars' drumming because, let's be honest, taking pot shots at Lars is a time-honored tradition in metal circles. Songs like this, though, and some live performances clearly show that he's got the ferocity and creativity that formed the backbone to the best material this band ever wrote. It's still in him. He's still got it. The issue is I just don't think he's pushing it enough. And songs like Screaming Suicide prove just how good he can be behind the kit when he really cranks up to 11. And I think that goes for the entirety of the band pretty much throughout this record. Also, a Metallica song with a weird vocal, Enter Sandman-esque interlude will always make me smile. The lyrics on this track are also the best we've heard from Metallica on this album so far. As the name implies, the song is about suicide specifically. The idea that bottling up any suicidal thoughts may give them power and by opening up when you feel safe to the people around you, you can not only help yourself confront these thoughts but also make other people feel okay to do the same. This is done through the personification of Suicide James' singing from the perspective of suicide and personifying concepts and emotions like this as characters. Uh, to speak through is a part of Metallica's writing that I've always really enjoyed, and I think it's great to see it here. The perspective shift in the final verse has done really well. Pretty sensitive subject for Metallica to tackle, obviously, they've been no stranger to this before. My favorite, one of my favorite Metallica songs of all time is about suicide, fade to black. And obviously this is a little bit, this is is a very different take on it. But I also think they, they, they do a pretty good job with this. So despite taking a few listens, to come around on. I think Screaming Suicide is probably the best track we've heard on the album so far. Sleep Will Look My Life Away's riff is built in the same way I've detailed a Nauseam for this entire review, but with one notable difference. It starts with a very punchy bass line from Rob Trujillo, which I was really excited to hear. Finally letting Metallica let Rob cook. As is pretty well documented, the bassist is the member of Metallica, the only member of Metallica that has changed kirk lead guitar james vocal and rhythm and lars on drums they have stayed consistent through every single studio album obviously there were some changes before the band actually recorded their first album including the most famously the firing of dave mustaine who would later form megadeth and takes credit for a lot of the riffs on that first metallica album and it's kind of led to those bands kind of having a beef throughout the years and Megadeth fans just talking about Metallica more than Metallica fans do. It's really tired. If you're not into metal, don't even, don't even bother to look that up. It's a mess. But the Basis is the only member that has kind of changed from that lineup that recorded Kill All. First was after the untimely death of the legendary Cliff Burton on tour for Master of Puppets. Cliff is kind of the gold standard for Metallica basses. He's arguably, I'd argue, one of the best metal bases of all time. Definitely top five for me. And obviously his work on those albums is phenomenal. They replaced him with Jason Newstead, who played on And Justice For All, the Black Album, Road, and Reload. And notably, his contributions to the band are much less than burton and that was not from lack of him trying it was just lack of him being allowed he gets a few good moments on the black album but like famously and justice for all's mix is so bad that you can barely hear his bass and part of me's got to believe that was intentional but after newstead left after reload rob Trujillo, current bassist formerly from the band suicidal tendencies and ozzy osbourne's band Joined for Death Magnetic and Hardwired Self-Destruction. And now he returns to 72 seasons. So I can officially say that I have reviewed Metallica albums with all three bassists. Unless you want to count pre kill all and the fact that Bob Rock played bass on St. Anger. But Tregilio is, to be honest, a pretty underrated bassist. I think all three bassists for Metallica are very good Burton is always going to be the one who gets his flowers. I would argue still he's the best bassist that they've ever had. But Tregilio and Newstead are also absolutely phenomenal. I've heard some of the stuff he played with Suicidal Tendencies, and he is really good. And I'm glad that he's getting a little bit more of a chance to shine here with Metallica. Metallica is probably not the type of band where he's going to be able to push that, like, technical ability considering the phase of their career that they're at. But I'm always rooting for him, especially as a fellow bass player. I'm always going to root for him to get his solos, to get his moments to show off. Because Rob is extremely talented. And I want to give him his flowers on this show. And I also want the rest of the band and the Metallica community and just music in general to give him his flowers. So any moment where he gets to stand out is, is, is great for me. His bass line kind of starts a groove to this song that I really enjoy. James' rhythm part layers with this really well, while being still pretty suitably heavy. Lars' drumming is also doing a good job of setting a simple yet effective foundation for this. As I brought up earlier, throwing pot shots at Lars' is time-honor tradition, but a lot of that it comes to the fact that a lot of his drumming is very simple, And to be blunt, it is definitely on this record. Obviously, there's a lot of really great stuff in their older records, but I'm also of the opinion that simple does not always mean bad. And in this case, I think it really works. The brighter chords also add a unique flavor to the song that I really appreciate. The descending riff that occupies the majority of the song is also particularly one of my favorites on the record. I would probably give this song a whole lot more grief if I wasn't A, biased towards bass players and B, if it wasn't next to Screaming Suicide, on top of it having some really unique aspects of its own. I probably would be more likely to write this off as more repetitive, but considering Screaming Suicide kind of served as a pace breaker, this kind of song again doesn't feel as bad to me. And maybe the groovier aspects of Metallica may not be everyone's cup of tea. But I think they're important, and I think they do a good job to pace the more thrash and straightforward metal cuts on this record and allow them to stand on their own. Also, I think this late into their career, these groovier songs are proving to be the Metallica songs I actually enjoy the most, at least from a late stage Metallica. Lyrically, I also think this is a pretty good moment. The subject matter of just kind of going day by day through life is conveyed in a pretty interesting way that I think... Stands well on its own, and overall, this is just another pretty solid song. The next up is "You Must Burn," and typically, I don't run out of things to say about each song without getting repetitive. Um, this early on, but you know, it, this 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 record's kind of this record's kind of testing that theory. I'm not an expert on song structure at all, um, but this is pretty much the same thing we've spoken about: decent to pretty good mid-tempo riff pretty minimal rhythm section. There are some parts of this that I do enjoy. The post-solo riff is another favorite from the album. feels very Black Sabbath inspired. I mean, considering Sabbath arguably invented heavy metal, it's no surprise that Metallica was influenced by them. But seeing that come through, this clearly is something I'm far less used to and definitely enjoy. The fact that I want to tie this to Sabbath is also partially because of how much they lean on the idea of which is in the song, probably the grandchildren of the one who were gathering in black masses on war pigs. Lyrically, the idea of burning yourself away is a pretty good one. I just struggle to pay attention to those lyrics and to kind of have them stick out in this more slow and trotting song. You Must Burn is a prime example of this album's length getting the best of it. There's no reason this song needs to be seven and a half minutes. I talked about how like 72 seasons didn't make me feel the length of this. A lot of these songs, however, do. You Must Burn is a prime example of that. Its ideas alone are not interesting enough and they don't introduce enough new ideas at a frequent enough pace that makes this worth being seven and a half minutes. And I think that goes for so much of this record. Next up is the lead single, Lux Aterna, And to be frank, Metallica picked a really strong, good one, uh, really strong. Next up is lead single, Lux Eterna, and to be quite frank, Metallica picked a really strong one to lead off with. To be blunt, I think it's a little too strong. This is, in my opinion, still the best song in the album. The reason is that this is the song where the band feels as hungry and aggressive as they have on their best work. The drumming is easily some of Lars's best in years. When I talked about the fact that I know Lars is still God and he can still be very technical, this is it. And while the riffs aren't anything, I would say, super crazy, they have the velocity I feel like a Metallica song needs. The song is also catchy enough to praise the most casual fans of Metallica's audience, and is the one time they really do the good job of walking that wire, especially on this album. The whole band just sounds really fantastic on this song. It's also like three and a half minutes long. And for this album, that's a godsend. This song proves my previous point that not every song needs to be five to six minutes long to be worthwhile. There's power in consolidating your ideas. The simple verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, song structure, it works really well on this song. And while I have definitely been giving Metallica a lot of crap for staying in their safety nets on this album, I think that's one where you know, there's nothing wrong with staying safe or playing it safe when you're doing it to a certain degree of, like, competency or when it's interesting enough. Luxaturna Eterna isn't reinventing the wheel by any means, but it's the best example that Metallica, when condensed, can still write fun, catchy, kick-ass metal songs. Lyrically, the song, once again, is not reinventing the wheel, but it is playing to it really well. It's about the live music experience and how great it is to bring people together through music. Considering the COVID pandemic stopped live performances and... Metallica has, well, one hell of a tour ahead of them to promote this record. It's not really shocking that this was on their mind. And they have done this before on songs such as Battery, the opening track of Master of Puppets. But there's nothing, once again, wrong with retreading old ground if you do it in a different enough way or you just do it good enough. People won't really care. Plus, the venues and the experience of a Metallica show has changed dramatically since Battery in 1986, so definitely need to go back over this concept again. Even though Lux Eterna goes at the halfway point of Sony's two seasons, its status as the lead single has kind of loomed over this entire album. And even though this is the first time I'm bringing it up, it definitely was something that was in the back of my head the entire time I wrote this script. And the entire time I was listening to this album, was that was our first glimpse of it about like almost six months ago. And it was like, okay, that's what this new Metallica record is going to sound like. And it's like... No, in a lot of ways there are parts of this that sound like the rest of the record it doesn't feel out of place on this record it very much feels in place on this record but it is still different enough to where what i was expecting from 72 seasons based on Lux Eterna is not accurate and i feel like the later three singles did a better job of painting a picture what this record was actually going to be like so I didn't go into, my, uh, into this record with my expectations as high as they would have been if Lux Eterna was the only thing I would have heard. Lux Eterna has basically shown me a version of Metallica that is stronger than what I am expecting. Um, it was a stronger Metallica than I had seen in years. It was a Metallica I wanted in 2023. Um, the only issue is that a majority of that Metallica is not present on the rest of 72 seasons. Case in point, we're back to the, pretty much the same formula instrumentally um, with building in these kind of mid-tempo guitar riffs on the crown of barbed wire. While I do appreciate the groovier aspects of the track, it definitely doesn't work as well in my opinion here as it does on Walk My Life Away. Just not as groovy of a song. The chorus is fairly catchy and I do enjoy the guitar solo. I also think the concept of a crown of barbed wire is a really good concept. It's a really good image. It's just that is not doing a whole lot with it. It's not bad. It's just overall, once again, pretty forgettable. I'm going to bring it up again, but this song, along with so much of 72 Seasons, is overstaying its welcome. This song is just too long, and there's not enough keeping it interesting to make me feel like it's worth that time. So I'm going to move on to the next song before I do the same. Also not a lot to be said about chasing lights. The lyrics about chasing and there being no light without darkness are pretty good. I would argue that with this song, the next one, and Shadows Follow, and Screaming Suicide, the theme of repressed negativity in the youth is probably the one of the more consistent through lines in this album theme- thematically, and I think that's pretty solid. Once again, I think all those songs, for the most part, have decent to pretty good lyricism. And it's definitely not something I mind Metallica talking about, but once again, it just kind of wears on me a little bit after, instrumentally, this album has just become very monotonous. Third single, of Darkness Out A Sun, is up next. That's another song that I feel like has grown on me a little bit. The main riff is one of the better on the album, even though I think the rhythm section is incredibly boring. It also has a pretty solid chorus. Those aren't all things I expected to be standouts on this record, but in comparison, these riffs and these choruses do definitely kind of peak out a little bit above the rest. Lyrically, this song has all the classic Metallica corniness that I adore so much. This is pretty much the stuff I want to hear from a non-thrash Metallica of, like, the idea of, like, Darkness having a son. Here I am. You know that's so like. That's very much like. Post black album Metallica writing. And it's kind of stupid. And it's real corny. But I kind of like it. And it's at least fun. It's just once again. Another seven and a half minute song. And it's way too simple. And it loses the charm that it does have. Way too quickly. Mainly. Because of, I think, besides for Kirk's main riff, the rest of the song instrumentally is extremely boring. I remember when they debuted this on TikTok with like each member of the band duetting it and adding on. I thought it was just like a basic TikTok trend because of the the way that they this instrumental was with the bass, the rhythm guitars, and the drums. Just like chugging on like that, the E power chord. I just thought this was just some generic thing and then they threw Kirk's rift over top of it and they're like, Oh, this is a new song. I was like, that's, I thought that was just like something you wanted fans to build, like a really basic strong structure for you guys to have fans build off of. Apparently this is your actual song. So that kind of gave me a kind of glimpse of where we were kind of headed with this record. Luckily though, I would argue we have the best non single song up on the album so far next too far gone. Just like Lux Eterna, there's nothing incredibly revolutionary about this track, but what it does, it succeeds at. Lyrically, Metallica picks another depression topic and conveys it in a suitably interesting way. Another really catchy chorus also helps. I love the way the guitars are harmonized. It feels very Iron Maiden in a really good way. Hetfield's rhythm guitar part is especially noteworthy here. It's some of the best blending of his guitar part and his voice in a way that really complements each other. I think that's some of the best that's been on this album so far. While I still don't have too much to say about Too Far Gone. It's essentially as if all the things I've been complaining about this record, like my major complaints about, you know, length and kind of monotony of instrumentations were remedied, but nothing else was really improved. It was just brought up to a good level. What you get in that case is a pretty good song played by really good musicians. And an album full of songs like this may not have been the best or most original thing in the world, but I definitely would have appreciated a world where Metallica just put out a bunch of really solid songs. Room of Mirror falls into the middle of the track list in terms of quality. I genuinely don't have much to say about this. Just pretty much maybe a above average on this album, but it's pretty much just it. Of course, though, I have a little bit more to say about the final track. As we round to the end of this album, we are face down with Inamorata, the longest Metallica song of all time. At the end of an album where I've spent nothing but the past 30 minutes complaining about how long and drawn out this album is. This song is 11 and a half minutes. You know, metal and my personal taste of enjoying bands like Pink Floyd have made me no stranger to songs of this length. I have enjoyed plenty of songs that are much longer than this. But considering how boring a majority of these longer songs for me have been, I kind of saw this ambitious length of Inamarita as something that had me more scared than excited. The thing is, though, Inamarita is actually pretty good. It doesn't need to be a of minutes long. I don't know, but it makes much better use of that time than pretty much everything else on the album does. This song is the first we get of like a genuine ballad section. For some reason, there have been barely any straight ballads on this record, which sucks because songs like Fane to Black and The Unforgiven are some of my favorite Metallica songs. I really like Metallica ballads. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I really, really like them. And they're pretty much just not on this album, so I was glad I got at least a little bit of one. And Enomarda scratches that itch, doesn't fully commit. Th- I think Headfield does some of, if not his best melodic singing on the album here as well. But it's also pretty well structured. It flows nicely and all the major instrumental and vocal melodies work. It moves from section to section in a way that is seamless. And also it has enough unique sections to where with a little bit of fat on the ends of each for the most part you're not too bored for too long before we get a new idea a new riff a solo or something else to re-engage you overall though i think this is a really solid song i think it's really hurt by its placement on the album but considering it's an 11 and a half minute metallica song I really can't be that mad at it. There's some really great ideas here. And if you are a Metallica fan and you have been curious about this song, I would say give it a listen. On its own, it's actually pretty good. But to sum it up, my overall thoughts on 72 Seasons is that Metallica is so damn big that they have nobody to tap them on the shoulder and be like, hey, that section's too long, move on. Or hey, that riff is kind of too generic to be the basis of this entire song they feel way too comfortable in 72 seasons Metallica has nothing left to prove they're the biggest band that metal has put out as I said in the intro and to me that's the problem the hunger present from their best work is no longer there and it leads to a record down of road that kind of just goes down this road of self-indulgence I'm not really happy with Say what you want about the Radio Rock Spawning Black album, but the hits on that record are hits because they're just really good rock songs. The world doesn't need Master Puppets too. Hardcore fans will always love them for. That's what I'll always love them for. But I also understand that that band is not here anymore. And there is a version of Metallica in 72 seasons that I like. The band that made Lux Eterna, the band who has made some of these songs there are parts of it that is really good. If you were to cut down a bunch of these sections down and really trim the fat off of this album, you could cut this thing down to probably about 45 minutes and it's way better sure these songs are still going to be kind of generic instrumentally and they're not going to be anything exceptional in terms of metal or in terms of metallica's catalog but they're definitely just kind of kind of get in and get out in a way that moves fairly fast lots of 72 seasons in my opinion is worth the listen their songs i think are genuinely really great but listening to the lp as a whole feels more like a chore than should it's an album that contains songs that I think are best enjoyed alone rather than as a full album experience. Lyrically, 72 seasons is frustratingly close to actually having a really cohesive and compelling theme. All the subject matter talked about is good, however, but as I talked about in my more fiery last episode, I guess I'm more like Metallica room, more mellow now because I'm stressed with finals and last episode I was much more enraged at NF, but the subject matter doesn't really matter. It just matters how it's delivered. Your message, in my opinion, in music is not as important as how you communicate that message. Because a lot of musicians are are using very similar messages talking about really old things, things that have been kind of done to death and Metallica is no exception here, but I think lyrically, They do a pretty good job at conveying these topics in an interesting enough way. There's just not enough cohesion. Overall, if you're a fan of Metallica like me, you probably heard this album already. If you haven't, I think it's worth a listen, maybe just one or two. Grab the songs you like, and then just kind of leave. I don't think this album is super enjoyable as a full listening experience. Once again, Metallica are competent musicians, and all the things I have been complaining about, like riffs and song structure, are boring, and that's pretty much it. They're not bad. I think that all of these are fine. There's, there are plenty of people who will enjoy certain riffs and songs that I just didn't as much. It's just going to be up to personal taste. I just think that there's a lot of stuff on this album that is redeemable, that is really good, that is worth your time. And I think that what you will gain from going to this album, listening to it, and taking out the best parts is better than the amount of kind of boredom you're going to get from listening to it. Because that's, at the end of the day, just the sin of this album is that it is boring. But it is kind of sad to see that come from a band like Metallica, a band as big as Metallica. This album would be probably mostly ignored by most people with the exception of a little bit of talk if this was not by the biggest metal band in the world. At the end of the day, prime example of a band that is haunted by their legacy. They are a band that has lived in the shadows of their 20-year-old selves for decades now. They made us wait seven years for this and I'm personally waiting to wait longer than that. To hear from them again, because at the end of the day, after this, I thought to myself, did I really need a new Metallica album? And my answer was, not really. Does there need to be any more Metallica? Not really. I kind of want it more than ever now, considering this album was not really great for me. And I heard parts of this that I felt like had some real potential, and I'd love to see them capitalize on it. But the idea of Metallica being really hungry and like going out and making just this, like, record that they just put their entire hearts and souls into it because they just wanted to be like so good i highly doubt that's gonna happen if they get that hunger back if something happens and they decide to get that hunger back they certainly have all the tools to make another fantastic record there's definitely a world where we get another really great metallica album the question is what needs to happen to make that happen I'm bummed that 72 Seasons wasn't that, because I thought for a moment that it genuinely could be. But that is it for 72 Seasons. Let me know what you think of this album. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, at Debs and and Twitter, at Debs Pod. This is more important than ever now, especially to those of you who listen via the Post website, considering that site will be far less active with the school year ending. If you like this review and you want more of it, It just so happens the Metallica is the band I have talked about the most on this show. So if you want to hear about their mainstream turn on the Black Album or their peak of thrash on Master of Puppets, you can check out my reviews for those. Just please ignore the fact that I mentioned that I was going to review the Blacklist cover album in the Black Album review. I never got through that script. There was way too much music for me there, and a lot more interesting things came out. So that one will sit in the drafts forever. All that being said, though, thank you for listening. I've been Nick. And thank you for diving with me into the depths of music. I'll see you next time.